Hello everyone and welcome to the kickabout. The first trophy of the season goes the way of the Reds. I'm your host Chris. And I'm Lee. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 164 of The Kickabout. You're here. It's just the two of us this evening. Mm. Uh, Dan had a uh, lovely weekend in Newcastle. Yeah, poor effort. Um, and decided to uh, to sit this one out because he's a bit tired. Oh, bless. bless him. Um, but yeah, it's a shame, actually, because he uh, he went and saw a Sunderland game at the weekend and I thought it uh, would have been quite cool to hear his take on what life was like up at the Stadium of Light. Um, from what I understand, they didn't play very well no. and half the stadium was gone in half an hour. <laughs> West Ham fans can relate. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to be a little, little bit different tonight. It's the first time that I think Lee has uh, been on the show with just myself. So we're going to go through all the usual talking points that we know. Statman tonight, Lee has very kindly though, done a quiz this evening. Um, and we have got a kick, in, kick about alternate universe for you. So my question to Lee earlier uh, was, I'm not, sorry, we're not going to do a fantasy league update tonight either. We'll, we'll skip that and do that one next week. Um, good, because I've been hopeless. <laughs> I've actually been all right recently. I've had a couple of good weeks. Um, so yeah, my question was, if there was one one thing, one serious thing and one not so serious thing that you could take from another sport and bring it into football, what would it be and why? So any particular order you want me to do it in? Or? No, you, 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 you choose, sir. Okay, choose. so sort of... The funny, not serious one. Yeah. In basketball games in America, and they do the old half-time shoot from somewhere along the court somewhere, get it in, you win like a million dollars or something ridiculous. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So thinking maybe do pull a random out of the crowd, crossbar challenge, the further back you go, the more money you win. That's a great... That's actually a really good idea. Because <laughs> they have done... Uh, some teams have done some sort of stupid shit at half-time. Do you remember the... Um... The famous one where the two fans and one fat guy they were chasing after that to run from like the halfway line to go and get the ball and shoot the ball in the net. Right, no, and he, no. the, this fat guy could clearly see he wasn't going to catch the other guy, so he just tripped him tripped up. Him up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was maybe Middlesbrough or something like that. Uh, but that's a really good idea. So, yeah, just something like I that. I thought when you said basketball, I thought you were going to go with like the old shot clock. Right. You know, like where they have like 30, yeah, within 30 yeah. seconds after shoot when they give away a foul. Uh-huh. Put that into football. Soon there won't be any defending. More, David Moyes will be fucked. Yeah. So. Just to sort of liven up half time, I thought. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. So, and then the more serious one is it's a little bit straight down the line, and it probably can't say so you can't do it in football, but it's not likely to happen in football. But like with rugby, where the refs are mic'd up, yeah. So it's going to help so much. No one wants VAR, but I think that will really help with VAR if they were mic'd up, so you could hear what was going on. Everyone knew what was going on all the time, and you can sort of. Not necessarily even just for VAR, but just some of their other decisions. Why? Why have you given this? Or, you know, I think uh, the the stuff that Howard Webb's been doing, the whole Premier League referees mic'd up that he does with Michael Owen. Yeah. I think that is good because it does give some context as to why these decisions are being made. But like you're you're not hearing about some of these things until two three weeks after yeah, the event. Exactly. Um, so we, you know, as as fans at the games and on TV at home, we want to know what's going on. We yeah. want to know why it's taking five minutes. To check something. Um, and it'd just be interesting as well to hear some of the conversations that they're having with players during the game whilst you're watching it. Yeah, I, I feel like, it, you know, the the Premier League are always looking for ways to try and clamp down on, like, dissent and, and uh, arguing with referees and crowding of referees. And actually, it would be quite, quite nice to know how referees do actually deal with it when it happens. 
Um, and it, do you know what? It actually, you know, the, 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 the Premier League are trying to bring in this blue cards bollocks, yeah. right? Actually, micing the referees up might have the, it's probably the best way to do it because yeah. the players won't want to get caught on, on, uh, on Mike saying whatever it is they're saying to referees. So it might actually have a, a, a secondary impact. So, but no, it's good. Um, so the two I went for, the, the slightly non-serious one, um, I've always liked the idea in uh, in ice hockey when two players get... Oh, can have a punch-up. Yeah, this, yeah, we're just going to draw... Get, well, the thing is, it's perfect because the referees <laughs> have got the old vanishing spray so they can literally just draw a circle wherever they want on the pitch and say, right, you two in there, have a scrap and then go and have 10 minutes to chill out. It'd be like the school ground so you get all the other players around and every time they try to get out, push them back in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you're not done. So in a, was it WWF days? You had, um, what do they call it, lumberjack match where you had all the wrestlers around the outside. As soon as someone came out, you'd beat the shit out of them and throw them back in. Um, but yeah, I thought that'd be a good idea because you could get some yeah. great matchups. Maybe throw managers in there as yeah, well definitely like a, an Arteta versus Guardiola matchup that is a great show um, so that, that would be quite good on a more serious note and although I don't think I don't actually necessarily want this to happen or, or in terms of how it happens in America right now uh, but in American football they do the draft and they make a big deal of it uh-huh. um, and whilst I wouldn't want to do it exactly like how they do it but the, the thought of having an entire summer where nobody knows any of the transfers and then like you you have a um a big event where like teams announce their signings and then players come out from behind a curtain yeah. imagine the scenes when like <laughs> some massive name drops like a Mbappe goes to like Arsenal or something like that and they just announce it like that nobody knows it's coming it was so fucking good that'd be such a money spinner from as well because they could put it on like pay-per-view oh my god yeah the people that would pay for they like, would make hundreds of yeah. millions on that around the world everyone like queuing up but it would just be like such an anticlimactic thing because like you know like, some clubs would be like and here is Titus Bramble <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now to United and they bought no one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did buy a kit man for 95 million <laughs> so yeah I, I kind of like a, an iteration of that but the trouble is, is that in today's world you're never going to keep a transfer quiet um and Sky Sports and what they do for transfer deadline day. I just, I just, it probably comes from that because I hate the transfer deadline day. The way they hype it up now, it just yeah. pisses me off. It's just got old as well, isn't it, now? It used to be good fun, the uh, transfer deadline days, but it's just meh. The format just, I don't know, just doesn't kind of work anymore. Yeah. You don't really um, get many real late transfers anymore either, do you? It used to go right to the wire, quite a few big transfers and that back in the day, but now it's sort of... It would actually work better, you know, if they, rather than having an entire month in January where transfers can be completed, have like three days mm. where you can do all your deals in the runner, but they can't be announced until so those then, three days. Um, that would make it a bit more interesting to watch. But I think social me- media's killed transfer deadline day a lot as well because you've got, um, you hear about everything way before yeah. it, it's actually done. Yeah, or Fabrizio. Fabrizio. He'd be, be out of job. breaks everything, doesn't he? <laughs> so, um, Yes, anyway, um, so moving on then, we're going to start with the Carabao Cup final. We'll get it out of the way for you early, Lee. Um, but there is quite a lot to talk about, actually, is because, that? yeah, just because of Liverpool the... Liverpool deserve it more, Chelsea was shit. Right, let's go. <laughs> You're not getting out of it that easy. Um, yeah, it was obviously the, the game itself was a, was a strange one because, you know, we saw... Uh, me and you sort of the last sort of 10 15 minutes of the first half and then the rest of the game from that point and from what we saw it very much looked like a game that was ebbing and flowing between really scrappy horrible football and then every now and then uh, a good counter-attack or a good attack would break out and you get five minutes of quality again yeah it's got to go down as probably one of the worst finals quality wise it It was was really odd really just both teams kept giving the ball away giving fouls away just wasn't much to like about watching it 
No. Um, I mean, just sort of sum up your feelings as a Chelsea fan um, with this, because uh, obviously this, to me at least, feels like a missed, real missed opportunity. Massive, yeah. It's, you're not going to get uh, a better chance to beat a team like Liverpool, who, let's face it, didn't even play really a second-string team. It was full of kids all the way through it. Um, it certainly so was by the end. Yeah. inexperience in that team. But extra time, that, that was the main part where I'm most disappointed with because they were literally a team full of kids. And if Chelsea had actually... They could have kicked on another gear and actually just taken the game to them. But they, it just looked like they was more interested in trying to get its penalties and take their chance with mm. penalties. It was it was really disappointing, actually. I've, I've, I looked at um, some of the changes that were made and then you look at like a player like Mudrick coming on. That situation was tailor-made for a player of his sort of his abilities, yeah. his pace, his, uh, you know, what he likes to do being quite direct. And he thought, in a game like this where they're tiring, the game's going to be stretched, thought, give the ball to Mudrick and just let him run. Yeah. And he did absolutely nothing yeah. when he came on. Absolutely nothing. I, I said to you before the game when you asked me, how I felt about the game and I said well all depends on what Chelsea turns up and you know it was that that case again like one week play really well and they look decent and then they, they play a game like this and they, they just phew, hardly turned up you know, so yeah. I mean the, the, the general uh, vibe if you like or the general commentary in the, in the, in the world of football has been very uh, negative towards Chelsea uh, we'll, we'll talk about Liverpool in a minute but you know it was an amazing piece of commentary from um, from Peter Drury, you know, who, who loves a bit of uh, over-the-top sensationalism with his words. And he, he went off on this big, I can't remember exactly what he said, he went off on this big rant about something and then everything went quiet and Gary never just went, yeah, it's a load of kids versus the billion-pound bottle jobs yeah. or whatever it was he called them. But actually, you know, when you look back at the game and the chances that Conor Gallagher had, there was a couple of goal scrambles, bottle jobs I think might be a... Yeah, both goalkeepers made some good saves. Neither goalkeeper really put a foot wrong in the game. They were both very good. But really and truthfully, Chelsea should be winning that game. Mm. So, I mean, you know, everyone is is using this whole, you know, they put, they've put they got a billion pound team on the pitch like that. But it's 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 a bit of a... it's It doesn't tell the whole picture, does it, really? Because, yes, you spent a billion pounds, but the team is, is so far away from being a team worthy of that sort of quality yeah. or that sort of they're, value. They're, it's just a team full of potential, isn't it, still? Because, although, yeah, Liverpool team are very young. So is Chelsea. I think Chelsea, it was 23, I think, the average Chelsea, age. Chelsea squad is a very young squad. Yeah. It's not as young as the team that Liverpool put out, but they're still very inexperienced. And although, yeah, all that money has been spent and a lot of that is on based on potential, they were still good enough to, to beat that, yeah. that Liverpool team. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the likes of, you know, people that are under really underperforming at the moment, Caicedo in particular Kaysado has been a real problem. had a shocker all season. He just, I just don't, he just runs around like a headless chicken. He gives the ball away all the time, just gives free kicks away. And I, I don't know, hopefully it's going to be one of them players where he'll have a shocker of the season and then, Next season, yeah. it'll come good, but I, I'm not too hopeful. I think, I mean, there's obviously a player there because everybody was waxing lyrical about him about when he was at Brighton. Um, and when he was going to Liverpool at, the, at that time, wasn't it? And Chelsea came in and sort of swooped him, swooped him and, and took him. All the conversation was, it's like no one could believe that Arsenal were paying 100 million for Declan Rice yeah. and yet Kaysada was going to go for, for less than that. Now, nobody is saying that now. Everyone's thinking, well, Declan Rice has been great value for money. Well, Kaysada hasn't. Went for more than him in the end, didn't he? Was it more? Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was 150. Five, was it really? I yeah, thought it was about it? 80, 85. No, um, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he looks like a fish out of water at the moment in that team. He He's not confident on the ball. His, 
he doesn't want to take the ball forward. Um, I think there's a real problem in that position. Yeah. He's just so clumsy as well because the, the challenge that um, took Graven back off. Yes. It, you know, it was nothing malicious in it. It wasn't even looking. It's just clumsy. Like, mm. what you do, it just does that game in, game out. Could he have been given a red for that, I, do you think? I think that'd be very harsh. Yeah. Was, I think he slipped more than anything. It's one of those ones where, you know, it, it looks horrible, especially yeah. when they slow it down, as yeah. it always does. Um, it, it could have easily have done, done some serious stuff. We don't know the extent of the no. um, injury to Gravenberg at this moment, but, um, you know, that could be ankle ligaments oh, yeah. type injury. It looked bad. It was, yeah. Um, so talking then about um, Pochettino then, um, an awful lot of, you know, you always get the, the the big reactionary type fan reactions to these sorts of games where things haven't gone well. There's been a lot of talk about um, whether or not Pochettino is the man to take Chelsea forward. This result obviously has angered a lot of Chelsea fans, I think it's fair to say, because I think they were, like you, expecting more given the Liverpool side that was out again in front of them. Does this change your opinion on Pochettino at all? No, I think this game especially, I think the players have got to take a massive um, chunk of the responsibility because... It's not Pochettino that misses these guilt-edged chances and it's not Pochettino that keeps giving the ball away and giving away stupid free kicks in stupid positions. Yeah. So he can't take all the blame here. I think this, <coughs> this result um, pretty much falls on the players. And there was a few substitutions towards the end that you might go, mm, really? But I, I, I don't blame uh, Poch for this. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, you look at the stats... Um, Total shots on goal and on target are pretty even. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing that it was Chelsea's XG, uh, which is not a stat I particularly like, no. but it, it does help reflect some things. Pretty sure their XG was considerably higher than Liverpool's. I think yeah. Liverpool's was something well, we like had one some point. great chances yeah. uh, in the first 90 minutes. Kelleher um, made that Kelleher big from save, Palmer. didn't he? But then um, I don't think the ball should have got to Palmer. I think uh, Sterling should have shot first time. Yes, no, um, very true. He had the better opportunity there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I just don't know what what to make of Chelsea. And in in a way, sometimes I look at Man United and I feel I feel like the same thing. It, just as any time it feels like Chelsea put a good performance in, and, and they, they think, yeah. oh, where go? Maybe they've turned the corner, and then all of a sudden they get hit with something like this, and then it's all negative again. It's the same with United after the Fulham result at the weekend, after five wins in a row, and then they go and lose that game. Um. So what what does from this point forward then Chelsea's rest of their season what what does what does Poch need to do to win over the fans now do you think to prove that he is the man to to carry on this project? I, honestly, I don't think anything. Uh, well, if he wins the FA Cup, which can't see us doing, but I don't. I think this season just we need to just get through it, finish as high as possible. I also saw a thing that if we so if we'd won the cup of the weekend, we might have been in more trouble with the because we would have got Europe, we'd have been in more trouble with the uh, financial fair play because then the restrictions come down considerably because Europe's um, FFP is tighter than oh, the FA. Okay. So it would have gone from being able to lose what, 115 million, whatever it is, to about 86, and we would have <laughs> fell below that. So we're on the line at the moment, but right. we would have been banging trouble with that. So getting Europe this year might not be a good thing for us anyway. So. Well, I mean, we still haven't really heard anything about that, have we? No. Um, we've, we've heard rumours about Man City's the decisions are being made behind the scenes and that a date has been set, but nothing's been said out loud yet. Um, of course, Everton had their points reduction descended a bit. We'll talk a little bit about that later. 
Um, so yeah, it's I don't know what what to what to make of Chelsea. I, mean, I must admit, when I look at Cole Palmer, sometimes I just think how frustrating must he be, be getting. Yeah, he must get so pissed off. All right. Were you surprised yeah. Sterling came off as early as he did yesterday? That's one of the subs where you go in, yeah, okay. And I know he wasn't as impactful in the second half. When he came no. off, we both said to each other that he hadn't done much in the second half. We think he's the type of player with the experience that he has yeah, exactly. in those situations. You might want him, goal. exactly, yeah. leave him on the pitch. Especially yeah. if he got to uh, penalties as well. He's a, an older head, mm. might have stayed a bit calmer. And one thing that did annoy me is with their goal, De Sassi, that, that epitomises Chelsea as well. Sassi was marking Van Dijk, lost his man, and then blamed Mudrick for not winning the header. Yeah, that that really annoyed me. Yeah, Just I think take that's responsibility a bit for. Uh, and Mudrick has lose. absolutely no idea that Van Dijk's no. about to cross over his path. He, exactly, you know, he's in his blind spot. He has no idea. What do you think about the disallowed goal? Their first goal. Um, well, both goals. Actually, I'm so I, you know, I'm so on the fence with this. Um, the, with the Liverpool, the first Van Dijk one, because we both so said, we both fence. watched it together, and we both said. That's that's really harsh. And then the more you watched it, the more you thought, well, maybe they're actually doubling up on him and yeah. he has been blocked. But I, I personally, even as a Chelsea fan, I think that's incredibly harsh. <laughs> there was there was several angles on it where you look at it and you think he's not involved in that play. And then there was one angle where it's kind of looking from the Liverpool end directly at Chelsea's goal. And it genuinely looks like yeah. they are trying to double up on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they're not trying to double up on him, then what on the... What the hell are they doing leaving Chilwell marking yeah. Van Dijk? That, that's, you know, that is... Surely they have not done that. So that's what makes me think, yeah, they are doubling up on him. And also, Van Dijk had a bit of Colwell's shirt anyway. So it makes me think maybe he was marking him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the decision. But it, what what you're doing as a referee is you're, you're rolling the dice there a little bit yeah. because you're basically but, saying that... He had a really, really good chance of stopping that ball yeah. when it's you're kind by, of looking at the, the law almost. of the game. Yeah, probably was the correct decision. But I personally, even as a church fan, I don't like that decision. No, I'd be very disappointed if that was given against us. Yeah, an hour offside call. How tight was that? I must admit, from the because I think you literally just turned up at, yeah. at my house to, to watch a game um, when that went in, and I looked at that and I thought, from the naked eye, I thought that's onside. Yeah. Um, and the camera angle that they give you, they don't give it straight down the line. It's so is it that angle that makes it yeah. look like it's onside? So I hate decisions. That's where I don't like football as well, when it's that tight that they're giving, giving things like that. Even if it wasn't Chelsea, that we've had ones in the past with like uh, is it Patrick Bamford with Leeds, mm-hmm. where it was literally like tiny bit of his arm. Yeah, that's right. Things like that. It's too too precise. I, th- I think, uh, I, I, you know, you watch cricket. The umpire's yeah. call rule in cricket mm-hmm. where there's like a it, what it what it does what it does really well is for those that don't watch cricket basically an umpire umpires the game in the normal way he has to give a decision as to whether he thinks something is out or not in particular it's, it's relevant for um, LBW decisions yeah. and it forces the umpire to make a decision based on what he thinks is right and then the players can choose to review if they want but what they have is a system where even if so let's say the umpire's given somebody out he thinks it's going to hit the wickets and it's hit his pads um even if uh, the ball, I think, is... Or if it's the other way around, actually, it's probably it's more relevant. Around, yeah, yeah, it's more relevant, isn't it? Where actually, if the umpire has said, uh, no, it's it's not out, I yeah. don't think it's going to hit, and then they review it, it goes through the uh, the Hawkeye stuff, and then the ball tracking shows that it is actually going to clip the wickets, technically that's out, because it's going to hit the wickets, but they've built in a degree of error to give the umpires... Uh, I don't know how, you, what, how you'd even describe it. Is it sort of give them... 
responsibility or respect, I guess, for their decisions. That if it's that close, they'll yeah. just go with what the umpire said to maintain almost like the integrity of the yeah. game, so that you're not getting these. It's not supposed to be sport. Isn't supposed to be perfect. Yeah, there's yeah. supposed to be a, an element of randomness. Almost. Yeah, not necessarily controversy, but it's it's not supposed. I don't like it how how perfect they're trying to get it. It's it's like it's like they're trying to make it scientific almost yeah. in, in in how it's delivered. So I don't know if you could work that into football in any way, but maybe you could build in a degree of error margin so that if the player is offside, but the, the gap between the lines is, you know, a, a certain percentage or a certain distance, then you have to go with whatever the linesman says. And then at least that way, you're giving the uh, linesman more of a responsibility to say, look, you you know, you, you're still going to have to, excuse me, you're still going to have to wait and uh, make your decision after the, the the ball has played out, so whether it's gone in or wide, but at least it means that we'll have a little bit more of um, a little bit more advantage back with the attacker again, because that was how it always used to be, right? It was always give yeah. the advantage to the attacker, yeah. and it certainly doesn't it's feel like that anymore. The other way now, isn't it? So, um, so yes, uh, so let's flick the the switch over then to Liverpool. Um, Klopp called it his one of his best yeah, ever trophy Paris, wins. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what's, what do you <laughs> what do you think so of that? You've won the Champions League. You've won the Premier League. It's just, I think he's just... Is it because of the injuries and the fact that he's played a lot of youngsters or is it just caught really, in the moment? Yeah, or is the fairy tale of it being his last season and they're going and winning things and just, come on, mate, honestly. If, you, if you're calling that one of your best ever achievements, it's, yeah, it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> um, I mean, do you know what's funny? I, I watched that Liverpool game. Uh, I was Sorry, I watched the Liverpool substitutions and... The contrast between Liverpool and Klopp and West Ham and Moyes, and I don't, I don't always want to bring things back to Moyes, but in, in this case, there is a definite relevance. The way in which he has belief and trust in those kids that they came on and performed as well as they did in a, in a cup final, I think it was a bit of a cop out for him as well because if they did go on to lose, he can say, "Oh well, look, all I had was kids, and I've had to throw them all." No lose situation, yeah, exactly. And at the same time. It's yeah, it's probably galvanised him a bit more and given him that extra little push because he's gone right. Go on, go on there and do whatever you can do. Yeah, it just it just looks to me like those players just were just relishing that and 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 loving every second of it. They're obviously confident. Klopp is obviously you know he has been forced into a corner to a to a degree, but, but some of them some of them were playing anyway. Like Connor Bradley, that, some of them substitutions he made he didn't need to make. That's true. No, you're absolutely so, right. Um, and especially with penalties at the point, we're looking quite likely. Yeah. And he's taking off, you know, experienced players and putting uh-huh. on kids uh, who would have had to have stepped up and taken a penalty. So, yeah, I, I just I look at what Moyes has done with his squad. You know, you look at the players that come off the bench for us regularly. The, the youth team never get a look in. The, the older players come on and make no difference in the 10 minutes they're given. Yeah. And that's the difference between a manager that sort of instills a belief and a... Um, happiness factor I guess if you want to call it that around his entire squad and not just solely around his first 11 yeah um, so yeah I, I think sort of fair play to him on that um, what about uh, who was I going to say Van Dyke? obviously the little bit of cringiness shall we say in the in the dressing room afterwards where I think someone said he was quoted as saying uh, and they thought I was done or something no, like I, that I don't know I didn't see that but. Um, but yeah the talk now has been about you know it's it's all about Van Dyke again and about how big a player he is I know he's had dips in form and everything else but he has been one of the best defensive signings in recent memories isn't he yeah definitely you can't dispute that he's he's been a, a rock for him and everyone's form dips off occasionally like he's had what one bad season mm-hmm. everyone has a, a bad patch you can't it's very rare that a player will maintain that high level 
um, throughout their whole career. Yeah. Season in, season out. I mean, we see it. I mean, even Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz was unbelievable the other season. I think he's been pretty average this yeah. season, to be honest. Um, and the other player I wanted to, to highlight, actually, because Alisson is always talked about as being one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the Premier League by a lot of people. I think Kelleher, you know, I think he's bordering on too good to be a number two. Yeah, well, especially on that performance, he was... I thought he was brilliant because he's come in, in in previous times and he's always been good. He's always yeah. been reliable. Yeah. Um. And I just wonder if we're getting a little bit of a uh, the start of a who was it uh, Martinez uh-huh. uh, Villa uh, sorry Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal yeah. Um. I just wonder if we're getting a bit of that. And if there's a, if there's a team out there that are looking for a new number one goalie, perhaps not a top four team, but somebody you know in that top half of that league, I think he's a great bet to look yeah. at. Yeah. So I think you're getting pretty cheap as well. Him in. I think you're getting pretty cheap. I don't yeah. think he cost you a huge amount. Um. So yeah, and he made he made some that save to was it Gallagher, wasn't it? Gallagher, Palmer, and there was one I can't remember who it was. Oh, I think it was the Palmer one. Where he, uh, the Gallagher one, sorry, where he, he anticipated it and he got out so fast. Yeah, uh, he just um, smothered, stayed big, smothered the ball. Yeah. It was really, really good. So, but yeah, I think um, we we all said didn't we as soon as we heard the clock was going to be going that it was going to give them that extra bit of motivation to to push on and. That's one trophy done. They're still very much in the hunt for three others. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be a historic season for Liverpool. We won't obviously uh, put the uh, the jinxes on it. Well, some people might want me to. Mm. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, the first trophy of the season is is done. Um, and now we move back to the Premier League, where we talk about a very red hot inform Arsenal, who continue to dominate anything that's put in front of them at the moment. Um, and we said last week about the, the hitting form at the right time. If this carries on, they are going to be... I think we <laughs> we need to take them more serious almost each week as it comes. I think that scoreline uh, flatters Newcastle as well because it really could have been six or seven in the first half. Yeah, I think. I mean, you look at the look at those stats. Newcastle yeah. had three shots on goal mm. in the in the in the entire game. They've really fallen away, haven't they, Newcastle? I just wonder whether or not these sorts of games worry Newcastle in general not just the fans yeah. fans won't fans will be content they'll probably be still be happy with how things are going they'll know that there's going to be a dip coming um, I just wonder whether the Liverpool ownership will look at this and look at how they have been utterly outclassed mm. and just be a little bit concerned because you know these are the sorts of games these are the sorts of teams that they will have visions on competing with and, and 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 trying to get up the league again, and if they're being outclassed like that, that's going to send some worrying signals. Especially as like some of their main players that have been talked about having to leave as well in the summer, that's not going to help improve matters either, is it? No, it's a, it's a it's a weird time for Newcastle at the moment because it did feel like they were on the cusp of you know becoming a, a bit of a power in the Premier League with the money they've got, and obviously they brought in some really good players, but it's been such a mixed bag. They have struggled with injuries, I know, but they have struggled with players in and out of form. Yeah. Um, the, I think the European hurt them a little bit. It mm-hmm. felt like it did the way in which that ended. Um, so yeah, some worrying signs there for Newcastle and their defence that was so, so good last year has been yeah. pretty poor in, in certainly in recent times. losing time. hope has definitely been a big thing mm. this season. Um, Dan Byrne has been found out as yeah. well for me. Um, did, he, did he play in this game? Did he, uh, did he start? I don't think he did. I think, they, yeah, they started Liveramento. Um, Dan Byrne, was he on the bench? He was. And he came and got the assist. What a guy. Um, but yeah, as far as Arsenal goes, I mean, Bakayo Saka is absolutely flying. Kai Havertz even looked, did his usual, I'll turn up for this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, he still missed a few, like, guilt-edged chances. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, do, do how serious do you take Arsenal? I mean, Man City have obviously they they've kind of struggled over the line in a couple yeah. of games, haven't they, and get results. But the more the weeks go on, I really don't want to be saying, <laughs> yeah, Arsenal, have, you know, got a real chance to win the league, but they have. They're, they're just they're on a, the informed team. They're they're scoring goals at will. Um, teams like City, they're like you said, stumbling over the line. Arsenal look really good. I mean, you look at the, you know, you've got the 16th of March against you. Um, that's a banana skin. I know look, I know. on paper they should yeah. win, but it's it's a London derby. Um, you never know what you're going to get from Chelsea. Exactly. So. Um, but obviously the 31st of March. That's, that's the big one. As, as much as I said before, uh, I think I said it on my um, Midweek Digest on YouTube, that sometimes you look at those games and everything is so close that actually the winner of that game doesn't always mean anything because teams can slip up and that game is completely undone, undone anyway but psychologically that game could be and massive. it's so close to the end how many there's been another six games after that one there a one few two more? three four five six seven eight eight um, so yeah there, there's there's a couple of big games left they've got a London, North London derby to come they've got United yeah. to finish off the season they've got Everton last game of the season who could be fighting for their lives yeah. um, Wolves away is never easy Villa so yeah, it's not said and done. I know obviously Liverpool and City will know that have very tough fixtures between now and the end of the season as well. It will also depend on that Porto result. If they get through that knockout stage and into the next round, uh, how serious are they going to take the Champions League then? I mean, you would see, you would think on paper, despite how good Arsenal are playing right now, you would put Arsenal as very distant favourites, you would say, for the Champions League. Yeah. Um so, what, what they, would you do if, if you if you? I think they could. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what would you do if they do get through that? How do you? How do you? What do you prioritize, or do you prioritize and just try and run both of them? Really tough because obviously they've never won the Champions League, and it's 20 years since they won the Premier League. So, you know, if you, if I put if I put you on the spot, what would you pick? <laughs> I think if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd probably take the Premier League and then try and build on that for the next season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that. I think that the Premier League is the is the it's the most talked about, isn't yeah. it? Um, well, it's thirty eight games. You've not got to play thirty eight games to win the Champions League, so it's a it's a much longer and harder competition to yeah. to win. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I would as well. It's going to kind of depend if they can get past Porto on that second leg. I think they'll. How, I think they'll beat Porto in the second leg quite comfortably. How calm? How nice is the draw to them? I yeah. guess in the next round because they have had a history. Even when they were playing quite well, and you know they've been battered a few times in the Champions League knockouts yeah. in recent well, times. They haven't got through this round for. I can't remember what it was. It was at least twelve years. I think mm. something ridiculous. So yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, right, let's move on. Let's talk about Manchester United and Fulham. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's convenient that Dan yeah. decided he was too tired for tonight, isn't it? Didn't want to come on and talk about uh, talk about this one. Um, I mean, everybody's been scathing about United with this yeah. one. Um, well, this mm-hmm. is Fulham's first away win since the first day of the season. Yeah, which so, uh, can't imagine cheered Dan up when you told him that no, stat in the chat. Quite enjoyed telling him that. <laughs> um, this is this is the problem with United, right? Because they've had five games. It doesn't help that Hoyland, who's red hot in four, gets yeah. injured just before that, the that game. That was a massive miss for them. They looked. Completely lost about that top, which yeah. you wouldn't have said a few weeks ago. But it was kind of interesting because I, I was talking to another uh, main night friend of mine, and I said to him because he was like, "Oh god, here we go. They're going to fucking put Rashford up through the middle again." And then I was like, "Have you have you not got a youth striker that you can throw in there and just sort of see how he does? Because against Fulham, you'll get chances. You're playing yeah. quite well, and then all of a sudden we see that that Forson is starting, and you think, okay, I'm pretty sure he's a striker. 
but I think they played him out wide and put Rashford, Rashford up through the middle. He doesn't work up to and He doesn't Ra- work anywhere. I was going to yeah. say, and Rashford is, is a real problem for them. Yeah. He got 90 minutes here again. I'm not entirely sure how. Um, but you can't say that Fulham didn't deserve no, the victory. Uh, they were by far and away the better team in the first half. I know United picked up a bit in the second half, but I still feel Fulham deserved minimum a a draw and probably fully deserved the three points. Did you see, um, obviously Garnacho was working incredibly hard. Did you see what he said when he saw Traore coming on? No. So he'd been covering Lindelof a lot and yeah. helping him out. I think it was, um, I don't know who was on that side. Maybe it was Mooney's running the channels down there or something. And um, he, he saw a Traore warming up and the numbers come up and you just see him go, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to be running up against him. Uh, and just to be fair, that this 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 Traore, right? This is the Traore that every manager that's ever had him has wanted to say, why can't we have this every week? Yeah. Because he came on and changed that game. Yeah. Um, he was direct, he was powerful with his running um, and he obviously sets he up the, the, um, second the second goal, which it won't be finished really, really well. Yeah. Um, it's a massive result for Fulham this to go. I mean, you know, Man United away is, is still, because they're Man United, it's still seen as a big scalp despite oh, yeah. the fact that they're, I think this is the fifth time in the last seven or eight seasons that they've lost 10 games in a season and it hasn't, yeah, I saw that and it, stat, and Alex Ferguson didn't lose any in his and 20 years. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He never lost that many in the 21 yeah. years he was in charge. Um, I mean, look, we can't keep harping back to those days of Alex Ferguson because at some point you've got to just yeah, forget about it that. It seems like just wrong. yesterday, but he, it was, what, 10, 12 years ago now when he left. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for Man United, um, it's interesting that Rashford, obviously, is copping a lot of flack and he has been Deservedly, doing, deservedly so. He's a... He's a United boy and he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. Do, do, do they need to move him on? Does he yeah, need to go? I, I think so. Um, because it's obviously it's not just him. It's like Bruno Fernandes is also copping an awful lot. Um, I think Mark Goldbridge, you know, obviously one of the more famous Man United fan yeah. channels, he has said that he thinks that Fernandes needs to be moved on as well. Right. He thinks he's becoming a problem. That's a little bit surprising. He doesn't think he's a good captain. Obviously, I'm assuming, did you see the video? You saw the video of him, the play acting? Yeah. Um, and then I think gets it's, up when he realises they've still got the ball. Yeah, I, I think it's the problem is because it's Fernandes and everyone fucking hates him anyway. It's yeah. blown out proportion. It's not like he's the only player that's ever done that no. in the Premier League. But it just it's adding fuel to that fire. You don't want to be doing that. When the spotlight is on you and your teammates, you don't give them anything to go yeah. on. Um, if you take away the fact that he's a complete twat <laughs> for me he's not a captain no but he's still I would still have him in that side for me he's still one of their better players and he performs more regularly than like Rashford and people like that yeah he he shows more passion on the pitch yeah. um, his quality I don't think has been up to the standards that no. we expect from him but the problem is he started that first he came in at January uh, yeah January wasn't it and he just that Blitz that second half miles, of the yeah. season was ridiculous. So I think he set a really high bar for himself. Would you? I mean, if if not Fernandez captain, who would you give it to if you were the United manager? <sighs> Casemiro, Varane. Um, Casemiro's fallen off a cliff, isn't he? Mm. He was poor again. Uh, I'm just looking at that team. I'm looking at that starting lineup. How many leaders are in there? Yeah. There ain't many. You can't really give it back to Maguire. He seems to have. Yeah, I think that actually be since he's had it taken off of exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I Varane's don't in and out of the team. I don't know. No, I don't see There's leaders. Not many leaders in there. Yeah. Um, you know, you could have given it maybe to someone like if De Gea was still there, maybe yeah. he could have been a, a, a voice in the change room. But I just don't. I look at that team, and, and we've said about this before in the way that Manchester United sometimes, when they 
when they relinquish control on a game, they can't get it back. Yeah. And it's almost like there's nobody in that team to kind of step up and say, fuck me, lads, come on, get a grip, get this ball back, and let's do this, that, and the other. Um, and this performance for Manchester United, they can't seem to get this type of performance out of their system. They go five on the spin. I was talking about th- how things are seemingly a bit more positive around the place. Hoyland is scoring goals. They're getting um, Ash down from Newcastle. Yeah. Um, Ratcliffe is talking about positive future plans for the club. Everything seems like it's going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden the brakes are put on because, oh, Manchester United have still got this absolute dross performance in them mm-hmm. um, and stink up the place. And it wouldn't surprise me if this now sets in again and we now get this a again for a couple songs. of games yeah. and then they'll recover again. Um, so a little bit like the question I put to you with Pochettino is, is you know, Ten Hag, like, is, is he the guy? Because sometimes I look at his press interviews afterwards and he's talking... What was it? He said it was said something along the lines. He thought his players show great character and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, I know you've got to be positive, but like sometimes it's like you're almost like you're trying to brainwash me into thinking I've watched a different game to you because mm. I didn't see that from the main eye players. His um, body language during the game as well at times is a bit. I don't know how to explain it. He just looks a bit lost sometimes, like out of ideas, sort of deer in the headlights yeah. type thing, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, look. Man United, if, if depending on how things play out, we know that Ratcliffe's deal has now finally been, I think, 100% yeah. done. Um, it's going to be interesting to see now what they do in the summer. They clearly need reinforcements. They're going to need to clear out a few players. They, if, they, they've got a big job on their hands because they, they need to probably clear half that team out and almost uh, start again. I mean, if you look if you look down that list, so we're looking at the squad here yeah. that played at the weekend... Um, Anana, he's picked up a bit. He's picked up a bit. I think he's fine. Dallo, I think is fine. Yeah. Varane, he's fine, but he's getting old and he's injury yeah. prone. Maguire, fine for the time being. Probably you'd want to get somebody better than him, but I think yeah. for the moment he's okay. Lindelof, squad player, yeah. absolute yeah. best. My new class, yeah. Casemiro, falling off a cliff, yeah. probably look to replace him. Uh, Force and youth player, yeah. so we can uh, give him a pass. Fernandez, probably you know fifty fifty yeah. as whether you move him on or not. Garnacho, good player, yeah. one for the future. Rashford, I think I think Rashford has to go yeah. uh, for me. Bayern dear squad player. Amrabat hasn't for me hasn't no. done enough of his loan to justify a move. Don't even realise he's there. No, Ericsson, Ericsson's he should be it. should be on. Diallo, one for the future potentially, but they yeah. need to play more. Uh, uh, Anthony, bid him off. Mm-hmm. Johnny Evans, old Scott McTominay. If he if he he's, scores a goal in a game, great. But otherwise, what, what does he what does he do? Yeah, he uh, seems to pop up with goals all the time, but. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you do with him um, might get good money for him if you did move him on to help invest the money yeah. into other players and then the last no two there Cambuala and Collier I'm assuming are youth players yeah. so you know there, there is a lot of players there that need to be moved on and we, you know with, I know they've got other players out they've got Shaw out injured yeah. and whatever but, um, but he's another player who he's injured so much would you move him on I mean it could be like the Reese James situation yeah. at Chelsea you know he is a class player on his day he's a great player but can you realistically rely on somebody paying him that sort of money if he's only going to be there you know for he, he's 10 not, games? You know he's not going to get full... You're not going to get full season out of him. Yeah. So... At best, and, you need to have a good left-back basically yeah. acting as a number two mm-hmm. uh, and ready, ready to come in. And rarely do you get half a season. It's exactly the same as Rhys James. Rarely do you get half a season out of him, let alone a full season. Yeah. Um, obviously, Malassia being injured for the majority of the season hasn't helped. And then they they, they got Shaw back and decided, oh, well, we'll get rid of Reggie on because we yeah. don't need him now. And now he's... Uh, he, He'd probably be playing right yeah. now if he was still there. So, yeah, problems for Manchester United to sort in the summer for sure. Um, 
all Man United, all the in fact, all the eyes of the world is going to be on them to see how they approach the transfer window. We've seen how they've done it in the past and with incredibly mixed results, and that's being fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's probably being a little bit too fair, you actually. I can't see them leaving it as late as what they have done in the past now that um, Radcliffe's in there. I, I can see them getting the deals done early. I think the, the the problem is with Rashford. I think I think there is only a few places he can go, not because he's too good for anybody else, but because the money he's going yeah, to cost. Exactly. PSG is the one that's being rumored. I think, if anywhere, that is probably where he will go. I mean, I've, easy I've, life. I worry he'll just fade into obscurity. Uh, would you take him with England at this point? No, not at the moment. Because um, he has I done it. He has done it on an international stage, but I just worry that sends a wrong message if you pick him. It's not just that. There's so many players that can play in his position. Younger players that are performing at the moment who warrant a place more than what he does. Mm. Indeed. Um, but yeah, a fantastic result for Fulham. Um, their season has been rather hit and miss. I think they're just going to yeah. have a little season where they sit in that mid-table area. They'll be yeah. perfectly safe from relegation, but they're not going to be troubling Europe. Um, I think that's a reasonable season for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think mid-table. Given, given their squad, well, I think that's a good season. What would the fans really expect and want from yeah. Fulham? I think... They're another team very much like Crystal Palace. It's sort of middle of the roads. Yeah. Be happy with what you've got sort of thing. Yeah, I think Marcus was doing a good job there. They picked up a couple of good results recently. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they are missing uh, Mitrovic. Um, and they yeah. haven't really replaced him yet. So Jimenez, excuse me, had that little period, didn't he, where he scored a few goals and he got injured. Yeah. Um, Moon is, in fairness to him, I, th- I like that Moon is. His movement and his strength on the ball is, is pretty good. Um as a, as a regular goal scorer, not so sure he's going to be, you know, scoring enough goals to justify his, uh, you know, is he going to be replacing Mitrovic? But I think he's I think he's a good player. Um, right, let's move on then. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about this evening, uh, Aston Villa four and Nottingham Forest two. We've got a couple of other sort of talking points to talk about, but this will be the last game uh, from the weekend that we're going to talk about. Um, Aston Villa 4, Forest 2, uh, Nottingham Forest, as a result of Everton now, having had half of their points, or sorry, four of their four points, points given back to them, um, Nottingham Forest are now the next nearest to that relegation zone. Mm. They sit in 17th place, four points above Luton, the only win in their last little while coming against West Ham, shock horror. Um but the way in which they defended in this game, I know they got themselves back into it, a couple of really good goals in fairness yeah. to them, um, but their defensive display was, was that, awful. That first half was absolutely shocking for them. Mm. They, like, they did not come out of traps at all. And they improved and they, they looked half decent in the second half, but they just left themselves too much to do. Yeah, um, I don't think you can... We said before about their front line, they've actually got some quite talented attacking players. Yeah. You know, Gibbs, Wyatt, Origi, Awanyi, Callum Hudson, Adoy, yeah. Langer. That's a That is a good, uh, you know, strike force. The problem is, is that if you've got a, a defence as, as leaky as it yeah. is, you can't keep relying on them. Um, so... Are they are they in a spot above? I mean, we Burnley and Sheffield United are both gone. Uh, I think we, everyone kind of knows that now. But Luton still showing some fight. It's going to be an uphill task for them. I really hope Luton stay up. I really want them. I would much rather see Forest go down than Luton. Uh, yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that. Just because I think Luton is everyone's yeah. favourite underdogs yeah. at the moment. I think they have a go every week. Yeah, and just like roll over for anyone ironically out of all of those teams down the bottom I'd kind of want I'd kind of if if you had to tell me now which team would I rather go down I'd probably pick Everton yeah oh yeah no um, I'd rather Everton but at the moment well it all depends on this next um, 
deduction of points for yeah. them and Nottingham Forest, actually. So I mean, Brentford are in a spot above it, right? Because, I mean, they're currently losing to West Ham at the moment, so the second half has just kicked off. Um, on the assumption they don't win that, they're only five points above the yeah. drop. Um, Ivan Tony, I think it's fair to say, hasn't had the impact, impact that they yeah. all wanted him to have. He, he, in the first game, he did, didn't he? When he came out and yeah. got a couple of goals, but he's not really sort of like... And he come back as the undertaker. <laughs> he's, he's fallen sort of back into the same kind of um, low confidence that the rest of the Brentford yeah. team are playing with now. Um, but yeah, Nottingham Forest, I think... I think they're in trouble. I really yeah. do. I think defensively, I think they're so open and so poor. And Villa, I mean, Villa have been putting teams in the sword all season, in yeah. fairness. They, they were very good that first half. Leon Bailey, uh, Watkins, they, they were um, they were excellent. I, I'm really pleased to see Leon Bailey actually yeah. scoring because he's he's always been a talented player, but he's had such bad luck with injuries since yeah. he's been at Villa. And he, this is the first season. I'm touching wood for you if you're listening to Leon. Um, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Yeah, everyone does. Um if uh, yeah, I, I want him to stay fit because he's such a good player. This is the first season where he seems to have been injury free, yeah. and now we're seeing the qualities that he possesses. Um, and when they lost play, they lost um, uh, Buendia, didn't they, at the start of yeah. the season to a long term injury? And you're looking at players like Buen, uh, Leon Bailey, and then of course they bring in uh, Diaby, who started the season really well, and Bailey doesn't get much of a look in, and all of a sudden Diaby can't get anywhere near the team, yeah. um, and Bailey is Bailey is all, all in. So. Um, Aston Villa, the, 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 they still won't go away. Still people are questioning the top four credentials, but obviously the longer this goes on, the more serious we have to take them. With United faltering, Spurs... Um, Spurs, I think, are the only real challenges for that fourth spot. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Because that one result from United has flipped the script because at that point I was thinking, actually, they are in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if they won their game against Fulham, they're, they're level on points with Spurs, and I think you, you, you do include them. But the manner of that defeat to Fulham tells me that they're not yeah. ready for that top four no. fight. Um, Spurs I mean the, the game against Wolves was a, an interesting game but they've not been at their best recently they've been getting results but I wouldn't say they've been at their best I mean they've only lost one in their last six but it's like win draw win draw they're so like up and down aren't they you're never quite sure what Spurs you're going to get not to the degree of like a Chelsea but they can always throw a a dodgy result in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I must admit, I think Unai Emery has done an astonishing job oh, yeah. with that Aston Villa team. Um, we know, actually, that Aston Villa are, have got a lot of money behind mm-hmm. them with those American owners. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they do get Champions League. Do they, how how much do they invest? How much can they invest? Well, I, I'm sure they'll be able to invest quite a lot more because that influx of... Champions League money that they wouldn't normally get. Yeah, that, that will improve their books no end. Sure. And, the, and the Premier League finishing position as yeah, well, because exactly. obviously you get a split of the TV money from finishing higher. So, in the yeah, league. it'd be interesting to see uh, what sort of business they do and sort of what they, they what, look like going forward. What I mean, what do they? What need aspirations they sort of have to? Is it defensively, do you think that they would need to improve the most? Yeah, maybe going forward, so they look really good. Maybe another striker because Ollie Watkins, he he blows hot and cold, doesn't he? And a little he's bit been better this season. And you can't. The thing is, you, if you're going to compete on a regular basis in Europe, you can't rely on one striker. No. Um, you know they they've got their um, their conference league stuff coming up. You would expect them to go on and win the conference league, really. Um, Just have a look at like Poach Jackson or anyone. <laughs> Yeah, damn it, Danny Ings. They might get him. Damn it. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think I would love to see Aston Villa take that fourth spot. I think they deserve it across yeah, the season. Absolutely. Um, the, the, this is this is the, uh, the the 
the argument I've had, we've been having with people on social media about West Ham is that, you know, Aston Villa are doing nothing other than just being very, very positive on the ball. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that player for player, Aston Villa are that much better than West Ham. I think they probably are better, but they're not that much better. They're a team. They're, yeah, they're a team. And the, the the argument is, is that, well, why can't West Ham aim to try and emulate something that they're doing? I'm not saying we're going to go and just get fourth place, but we can surely aim to play that style of football and, and get the sort of uh-huh. results that, that Villa have been getting. So The way West Ham set up, you're very much relying on individual performances. Well, as, as seen tonight, Paquette yeah. comes back in the team and all of a sudden things are a bit better. Yeah. Whereas um, Villa, it's pretty much the whole team has to play as one yeah. for them to get results because you, you've seen in recent times, like when they played against Chelsea, where they didn't quite perform and then they got turned over. Yeah, but even then they were lucky, they were quite lucky in, or unlucky in that game. Um, yeah. There's some good some good chances in that game. So, uh, yes. Anyway, right, let's um, let's just talk about uh, David Moyes very briefly. I know I've, I've talked about West Ham a lot recently and I've, I've obviously I've talked about them on the Midweek Digest stuff that I've been doing, which has seemingly very, been very popular on YouTube. Um, before tonight's game come along, of course, we, he took another swipe at everybody by basically telling everyone that he had a new contract on the table. Though most of you probably would have seen him say this. Um, I was uh, very gracefully sent a screenshot of the of that conversation that Moyes had in that interview by about five different people, uh, just to wind me up because they know that I hate him. Um, but apparently, uh, sources from inside the club who have been very very reliable in the past have said that actually the hierarchy at West Ham were absolutely furious with David Moyes for saying this because it's not true. Um, what's happened is, is that he's had conversations about a contract in the past. We all know that because it was being talked about over Christmas. But the decision as to whether he signed a new contract or not is not solely down to Moyes, as he stated. It's a joint thing. And actually, the contract isn't in a, in a state where it's kind of ready to go. There's still things to be worked out. So it, he's lied. Uh, there's no other way to say it. Um, I just wonder whether or not David Moyes he'll know obviously he's heard the booze he's seen the banners he knows that West Ham fans aren't happy I just wonder if he's decided you know what the the board are kind of hiding behind me a little bit and allowing me to take all the flack if him saying or is him saying I've got a new contract ready and waiting for me is that him now basically allowing the fans to go well what the fuck are our board doing and now the anger now goes towards the board and not him Um, so yeah I don't know I don't know what's going to happen but it seems to be getting more toxic by the minute um, at the hierarchy of the club now West Ham have looked like they've played pretty well in this game tonight from what I can tell obviously we saw the, the opening 15-20 minutes where it all went a bit mental um, and look Pakatar is an amazing player and he does give us a different dimension but if we're just literally relying on one player yeah. and we've only we haven't won a single game when Pakatar hasn't played this season which is an incredible stat um, I just wonder <laughs> I just I don't want the the the, the rhetoric in the media to be told you so you know give Moyes time we told you be an okay manager we told you he's the guy for you and all this kind of stuff um it doesn't change anything one one result doesn't change anything for 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 us I don't think but uh we'll have to we'll have to wait and see hopefully there's been enough noise and hopefully there's enough uh behind the scenes going on that they appreciate that Moyes' time is done um, but we'll have to wait and see uh, so yeah, just wanted to make that be known. Um, It'd be so moist now, though, to go on a run of wins for the end of the season. <laughs> well, this is the this is a stupid thing, right? Let's just say you know his style of football is not going to change, um, or it's highly unlikely to. Let's just say, for argument's sake, he goes on and gets a sixth in the league, and maybe gets to the final of the Europa League. 
as bad as he is, how can you not give him a new mm. contract? And I fucking hate saying that because I don't want him to have a new contract, but it would be almost scandalous to not give him a contract. How can you argue with those sorts of results? But And if you didn't and you brought someone else in, the pressure on that oh person God, to yeah. succeed would be ridiculous. Yes, I totally agree. Because anything less than what Moyes has done is... Yeah, it's going to be a failure, and every yeah, everybody is going to be waiting for that failure yeah. to happen and and ready. Oh, you're playing nicer football now, but look where you are. Exactly, that would, 15th, all of the journalists are going to have a, an article ready, yeah. and they just will wait to hit publish for the right time. Uh-huh. Um, you know they will. So, but anyway, uh, right, that is going to um, bring us towards the end. Um, well, I said no, just talk did about you, Everton. Yeah, quickly. I was going to say, did you want to quickly have um, So yeah, so they've they've had the four points removed, which yeah. is which is massive for them because that now puts them five points clear of the drop, um, rather than just the the solitary point that they were. Um, there is still, of course, the other charges looming, so this may not be the end of the saga. Yeah, well, there's a scenario where the season could finish, and then they could have points removed. Once the season's finished, so they could stay up. Say they stay up by a point, and then they get three points taken off of them. They could still go down after the season's finished because it has to be. So their points have to be taken off before the end of the uh, before the AGM, which is five days after the season finishes. Right. Okay. Uh, but I guess even if they. If if that were to happen, for example, and they do get that deduction, and then all of a sudden they um you know go down by two points, whatever it is, there'll be an appeals process for that one. You think as well. So how long does that then drag on yeah. for? I mean, it's for that to happen is ridiculous in my opinion. I think if teams are going to have points deducted, it should be right at the beginning of the season. It shouldn't because no no team at that bottom knows what's going on now. No, and it's not. I know like... you shouldn't be relying on teams to have points deducted, but that's got to come into it. I mean, and it's not like something that Everton has done this season has caused this decision. No. This is stuff that's happened in the three seasons running up to this one. So it does feel like, well, you know, can you can you not get this case done sooner? Yeah. Do it early in the season at worst, so that at least everybody's playing the vast majority of the season, knowing what's going on and knowing where they stand. But you know, we've had the points deduction was what three months ago. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. They've now had it reduced again. And then we've got this other one potentially at the end of the season. It's uh-huh. getting a bit farcical. Yeah. Um, and also what I heard was, it, which I sort of agree with, is it's incredibly harsh because they've had 75% of the punishment anyway, really, if you think about it, because it's over a three-year period and they're being done again because of this year. So they've already practically had 75% of the punishment. So yeah. It's such a... I, I sort of, I, even though even though I said earlier that I, out of all those teams that were down there, Everton are the ones I'd want to go down. But that's purely based on the fact that Everton as a club have done so little yeah. to excite a neutral fan. Over Not the just last this five season, years. yeah. It's, it's um, been years. It's, they're sort of the the Southampton now, aren't they? Yeah, Southampton done that for years. Sunderland. Sort of just staying above the uh, the drop, and then you know just boring you throughout the whole season. But. The, the, at the same time, I really don't want to see Everton go down because of this. No, that would be really just shit. Um, I'd rather see, uh, you know, if they were to go down, they go down because they've been poor across the season. And look, they're down that bottom end of the table for a reason, right? You know, mm-hmm. six points is six points, but that would only at the moment that would only take them to thirteenth. So it's not like they've been turning up. They had that period, didn't they, under Dyche earlier in the season when they went on that really good run yeah. and they were 
sort of in European form at that mm. point. Well, we were saying um, if they didn't have that points deduction, they'd be in what seventh or seventh or eighth or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and obviously that's fallen away quite heavily. I mean, looking at the form table there, they've not won in their last six. Mm. I don't know how much further that run goes yeah. back. Um, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one. But you're absolutely right; it does seem very harsh. Um, and of course, I guess Nottingham Forest are in that bracket because are they not they are, also? They are both exactly the same position. They will both find out, or they both have to have their punishment in place. Uh, by the uh, by Premier League's AGM. Um, so, yeah, not ideal. But, you know, if you're Everton or Nottingham Forest, you've got to make sure, um, fight, try and work out, try and find out how many points you are likely to be deducted if it comes to it and make sure you're that much clear of the uh, of the drop zone so that it doesn't uh, affect anything if it does come in. So, right. Anyway, okay, um, good. Right, we are going to round out the show then. Uh, Lee has very kindly done a quiz. He's going to quiz me. I don't need Dan here to embarrass myself. I can do it all by myself. So let's jump into the quiz. Right, so because apparently there was a League Cup final at the weekend, (laughs) we're going to do a League Cup quiz. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So no pressure, you're on your own. So see how many you can get. Um, I could have made some of these very difficult. It's uh, some of the when I looked through Wikipedia, some of the questions I could have come up with were very obscure. Okay, well I'm but glad you I've did. tried to keep it. I won't say easy, but I get, think get able. Can, yeah, get able. Yeah. So uh, we've got eight questions. Okay. Uh, so question one: What year was the first League Cup played? Ooh. Uh, I mean, it's certainly nowhere near as old as like the FA Cup. Not even close because um, we done the FA Cup quiz a little while ago, and it was like eighteen hundreds, wasn't yeah. it? Um, I think this is a fairly recent introduction. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say nineteen eighty-five. No, so nineteen sixty sixty. Oh, actually, yeah, so it goes back a little bit further, okay. but it's still relatively new compared to the FA Cup. Things, it is, yeah. yeah. So. Um, who were the inaugural winners? Who, who was who was prominent around the sixties? Yeah, go on then. So they're in the Premier League now. They're doing pretty well. Okay, doing pretty well. Villa was Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. So in nineteen eighty one, the competition broke new ground by being the first competition to have what? A sponsor. Yes, a sponsor's name for the cup. Was it? You can ask me what it was. Yes. Uh, also ties in with the next question. So if you don't want to get it now, you don't have. Okay, to. go on then. Yeah, we'll so, wait to the next question. Okay, right. So there have been eight sponsors of the League Cup. Yep. How many can you name? Worthington. Yep. Coca Cola. Yep. Carabao. Yep. Carling. Yep. Um, what other ones have we had? There's one more that was in our sort of time. The other ones are a bit earlier. <sighs> Is there another? So you're missing the one before the Carabao Cup and before. after Carlin. Oh, West, well, Bowen's just got a hat trick for West Ham. Um, which one was the one before Carabao? It's going to annoy me. I think it only went for a couple of years. Yeah. 
Um, I'm pretty sure I took a screenshot of the... Uh... So they were four years. They were between 2012 and 16. Has it been the Carabao Cup since 2016? Uh, 2017, so 16 to 17, they didn't have a um, sponsor. And they've got it until 2027, so they've obviously only 10 years. What Carling, Worthington, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, so you've got Coca-Cola, you've got Worthington's, you've got Carling, then you're missing one, then you've got Carabao, and then you've got three more before them. Was it a was it an alcohol brand? The one that you're missing, no. Okay. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Go on. So you got Capital One Cup. That was of the one. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then before Coca Cola, you had Rumbelows. Yeah, no. Before no, that was no. Little Woods, and the first one was the Milk Cup. Oh, do you know what? I was thinking the milk cup, but yeah. for some reason I thought to myself that that was somebody taking the piss no. because they thought it was a shit cup, so, so they were calling it the milk cup. It was the milk marketing board and they called it the milk cup. Ah. So that was the first one. What a prestigious name. Yes. Bring right. it back. Right. So question number five. Which team has won the most cups with ten? Uh... Man United? No, it's Liverpool. Oh. Yeah, just won their 10th. My first thought was Man City, and I thought, no, they have they might have won it quite a lot recently, but before mm. that, they wouldn't have won it much. So, uh, Which player has scored the most in the most finals? Three. I think we had a question about this with the FA Cup, didn't yep. we? And that was Drogba, yep. I think, wasn't it? Michael Owen? Is it Drogba again? It's Drogba again. <laughs> the way you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, two teams have won four in a row. Who are they? City. Yep. Liverpool? Yep. <laughs> there was a lot of questions I could have had were, were all Liverpool in this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the last one. Uh, the highest scoring game was played out by Reading and Arsenal in the fourth round of the 2012-13 competition. What was the score oh, after extra time? I think I remember this game. Was this the this game, game that Arshavin got four, Walcott got Possibly. four or something like that? I think like Reading that? went like 4-0 up, yeah. something silly like that. Was it something like 7-4 or something? It's very close. What was it? 7-5. 7-5? Yeah. I'm sure, that, actually no, the Arshavin game where he got four was against Liverpool, I think, at Anfield. Right. I think this was a game where Theo Walcott came off the bench and got maybe four or five of those or something Possibly. crazy. I can remember it then... Um, in uh, Reading going 4 0 up very early. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Absolutely mental game. Yeah. I, I do remember that. All right, that's it. Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. Uh well, yes, uh it's been uh, it's been an interesting one. So I think we've had some good chats tonight. It was, uh, it's a shame we didn't have Dan around it would have been lovely to hear what he thought of United at the weekend. Don't think you'd get an hour with Dan. God knows what he's gonna be like next weekend, because he's got an extra day of being on the piss. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, since my stag did next yeah. weekend. We're all gonna be feeling it next yeah. Monday. Um who is United playing next weekend? Uh, oh, <laughs> it's the Manchester Derby. <laughs> this could be interesting. What time is that? That is a three thirty on Sunday. Ooh. So depending on if we're back in time, yeah. we could go and we could go and watch that somewhere, couldn't we? Um, so yeah, that could be interesting. They got Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup midweek. 
uh, that's on Wednesday this week, and then yeah, the Manchester derby at the end of the, end of the week. So yeah, I mean, he might have avoided the Fulham defeat, but he may mm. he may not <laughs> he may not avoid talking about this one. But then that's the sort of game I could see United digging in and at least getting a point because City haven't been scoring, have they? No, and Haaland is is all over the place yeah. at the moment, isn't he? So um, annoyingly, after we triple captain yeah. the other the other weekend, yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> Um, so uh, right okay well thank you very much everyone for listening there will be another midweek digest this week on Wednesday um, which they've all been uh, pretty popular so far so I'll, I'll carry on doing those um, and uh, yeah we'll hopefully see you all next week with a we might have a full turnout next week because everyone bar Pete is on the stag do uh-huh. um, so that might mean that we might get Shearer because if Shearer's booked off Monday from work as well maybe we can get him along as well Finally, yeah. talk about how shit Newcastle is. Yeah. Getting away with it for, for, far for too months. Long. Exactly. Yeah. Get him in. Last it. time he was on, I think they were half decent. Yeah, shock. So, yeah. yeah. Is he waiting for them oh, to win working. again? <laughs> so, anyway, right. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Mm.